plug in that 156k modem get yourself some crystal pepsi and get the vcr ready because it's the most 90s movie ever our picks coming up next Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crap all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Oh, hey, listener, welcome to episode 223 three, three, three. That was an echo. Uh, of the program, Magnum's Podcast. This is Chris. This week, along with Eric and Brian, we're going to delve into what we think is the most 90s movie ever made. I mean, it's arbitrary. There's nothing scientific about this. I'm sure you have thoughts as well. Uh, but basically, we're looking for the movies that epitomize the decade of the 1990s you know this is like pre-internet uh we're coming out of the the weird 80s me era everything's kind of just strange and so uh we're trying to figure out what defines that as a decade uh so some things to look for uh electronic music product placements that are super obvious uh there's a lot of weird like pre-internet uh computer chicanery uh that you gotta deal with uh tech is just not tech in the 90s that we know now today. So those are some of the things that we're going to be dealing with. Uh, there's a lot of irony. There's some funny stuff. Uh, it definitely not talking about Titanic because, ugh. So just put that right out of your mind. So join us, won't you, for the most 90s movie ever. And uh, you're probably going to hate our picks or you're going to love them. But either way, you can send us an email to magnificentheviewgmail.com. Uh, you can also reach out to us via Twitter, at MagHuge, or on Facebook and Instagram, if you can believe that. So uh, reach out there, like us, share us, uh, send it around, and you can hit us up on all your platforms where you get uh, your podcasts. Uh, I'm sure we're on one of them, and you're listening now, which pretty much proves my point. And then uh, lastly, you can head over to our website, www.maghuge.com, where you can find shows, links, archives, junk, uh, pictures, and stuff. Uh, but really, we just hope that you like the show. Share us with your friends. Give us five stars on the uh, iTunes or whatever. And uh, enjoy the program for the most 90s movie ever. Or whatever. I mean, it's, you know, it is what it is. Okay. So, guys, uh, my wife has been out of town for about a week, and you're the first human contact I've had in days. So there's something oh, I'd like Lord. to say that I've been working on mm -hmm. for, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. I've been doing that for like days and days and days, and the dogs are scared of me now. <laughs> well, I'm and, a little scared and, of and you and as now well. Baby, so the audience, yes. uh, uh, it when the when the wives go out of town because it's what my mom calls it, batching it. <laughs> I'm using air quotes, batching. I'm like, that is the most 1950s term I think I've ever heard any batching. <laughs> oh, because bachelor. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because everybody knows that when the wives go out of town, it's all hookers and blow for whenever. You know? <laughs> and singing. Yeah. Apparently. Was that Pearl Jam? Why are you way? depriving your wife of hookers and blow, Chris? That's what I want to know. Uh, dude, she's got a very checkered past. Let's not get into it. 
Okay. Hey, by the way, welcome to the show, everybody. Hey. Uh, my name is Brian. Hi, Brian. This is Chris. Who's that over there? Hi, Brian and Chris. This is Songbird Eric. The songbird of our generation. Fantastic. The Indeed. songbird of our generation. <laughs> Indeed. Let's see how many 50-year-olds can hit those high notes. Huh? Uh, huh? Well, so far, none. So far, none. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, after all the witty banter, we you started to show off with the <laughs> We talk about what we've been watching and doing, and it's called the fresh shit. Bam. So. Uh, side note, everybody, this is uh, behind the scenes, but we're on a like a bi-weekly schedule just so we can actually have some weekends to ourselves. Uh-huh. Uh, and so I feel like it's been a century since I've spoken to you fellas. So I uh, hope you got some yeah? good stuff. Have you, yeah. have you seen any fresh shit in that century? <laughs> <laughs> this uh, shit is Harley, fresh! Uh, I'm guessing Eric's got really oh, next to nothing. Fresh. Like he never has a couple things. Okay. And then Brian will have more things than anybody should co- possibly have. Uh, uh, probably, but I'm not going to do them all. <laughs> uh, so, eeny, meeny, miny, uh, let's go with Eric. I'm curious. Okay. So, two things, and they're both Netflix. Um, did I mention The Great? Uh, well, that's actually Hulu. Did you did. I mention you the, did. That's, that's the Hulu. Yeah, but you did. Okay, I did. I got all the way through that. It's wonderful. Check it out. I mean, it's really smart. Uh, it... it it works. It's been renewed for a third season. Good, good. good. Really? Anyway, so, so yeah. Does yeah. she? I okay. Because I haven't seen the second season yet. Because uh, I'm just terrible about jumping on most of these. Right. Uh, but they covered yeah. the horse fucking nonsense in the first season. Uh, yes. What else do As, they cover? And, and, in the well, it's like a lot of the things that are historically, you know, historical footnotes. They just sort of treat as side jokes, which is fine. Right. Because it's not, you know, really a historical drama. It's, you know, it's historical, not entirely accurate comedy. So I think it's based on a yeah. stage play, right? Something. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's like it reminds me of a. You guys remember the Alex Cox movie Walker, uh, which was about an American. Yeah, a lot of anachronistic and, stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but it's so not it's, quite as over the top. In that one, like yeah. there were people in the 1800s reading Business Week. And, yeah, and using computers and such. But it, it kind of reminds me of that vibe. So, yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Oh, the the, the scene in Walker, when they're about to take, um, <laughs> well, I, I can't remember, the Nicaraguan capital, and the State Department guy shows up in a helicopter, I was like, oh, this yeah. is a genius <laughs> film. <laughs> <laughs> Alex Cox doesn't get a, quite the respect he should, but... Wow, that's because nah, everything he's he made since sucks. <laughs> Have you seen Repo Chicks? I mean, I, yeah, I've watched uh, literally nothing in the last 25, 30 years because, yeah, the magic is gone. But, yeah, whatever. Yeah. So, um, Catherine, hey, the great. Yeah. yeah, or just the great. Yeah, because yeah. that's the running question. Who's really the great here? Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, so that, uh, god damn, uh, Picard. I've, I've, I've tried watching that a couple times now, and it's like oh. I can't get through an episode. I get like five, is it, ten. Is minutes. it as bad as it seems? No, like, it's actually quite worse. It is so that's bad. Astonishing. Oh God! Here's, here's the outside view looking in, because I, you all know, I don't give a rat's ass about most of Star Trek. 
Uh, but everything <laughs> that I hear about Picard from Star Trek fans such as yourselves is just astonishing. Like it just pisses off every single one of you, and it's hilarious. Yeah. It is. It the the first season was Rise Bad. of Skywalker levels of of not the right like just really? just wrong, okay. just bad. Like if if you sort of. If you figured out what was sort of like 90 degrees not the characters that were being brought back and then you went down an arc that direction that's kind of what happens with Picard it's just it's about totally different characters played by the same actors with the same names but it's just not those characters it's wrong <laughs> it's, it's and it's totally like a a um an ego project for for Patrick Stewart like he doesn't have yeah, to do this yeah. so he's like well if I'm going to do it you have to do what I say and so they you know they put in all this stuff that makes no sense for Picard, but they also created a love interest out of nowhere. This is funny. He has like these two Romulan, uh, you know, servants that he has on hand. And in season two, they, they're married and the, the, the two servants. And in the beginning of season two, it's just the husband. Oh, in, in between season one and two, he died. He's gone. And, and now we can start <laughs> like a, romantical thing between him and the Romulan uh, woman. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? So, you're just, you're, you're like right out and saying, we don't want to develop this. We just want it to be. So is this, is this an ongoing series right now or is it like over? Oh, it's ongoing. No, they've announced season three and they've got like the entire next generation cast coming back to ruin everything uh, in yeah, season okay. three. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. The only thing I'm interested in with season three is, are they going to have Michael Dorn wearing the, fantastically horrible uh romulan <laughs> the, the, makeup they now the, give them all you know the turtle the turtle shell on the forehead makeup yeah that one okay yeah okay it's like they uh, they they recreated klingons so that they they look like kind of fishmen with teeth and yeah. it's like is that how michael dorn's gonna look or are they gonna say it's something we don't talk about again i don't know well okay so <laughs> so picard is a big pile of poo uh, what's the deal with this strange new world show? Is that about Christopher Pike? I'm not sure. That's yeah. Okay. So they, uh, season two of discovery, they brought on Christopher Pike from the uh -huh. pilot episode of the original series. And right. he was the one thing on the show anybody liked. And so they said, Hey, okay, then we'll make, we're going to make a weekly mon a monster of the week, Star Trek, uh, series. Like we, you know, they used to have. Yeah. And we'll we'll have these people that we introduced as the so, it, but it's still Alex Kurtzman, so it's just going to be shitty, but with a new yeah. shitty every week. It, yeah. you know? it looks a lot like the commercials make it seem like uh, like Lost in Space, but Star Trek, and they're they're TNG. really patting themselves on the back too. Yeah. We're going back to our roots. You don't know shit. You don't even like Star Trek. I can tell <laughs> by watching it. You don't like it. <laughs> it's just it's just a cash machine at this point. Oh, Paramount yeah, needs some more money for the network. Let's throw another Star Trek at him. Oh, <laughs> Paramount wants to fucking fire the guy. The thing is, before Les Moonvest left Viacom, he gave this sweetheart deal to Alex Kurtzman so that he just utterly owns everything Star Trek that CBS can do. And so they can't get out of it. CBS wants him gone. CBS wants <laughs> to restart Star Trek so that it works. He Man. won't let it go. They yeah. can't, they can't chibnall this guy. They can't chibnall him. Like Doctor Who, oh. it's like yeah, yeah, yeah no. He's oh, they, they announced the new Doctor Who today. Oh yeah, oh, they um, did. Russell T Davies' new Doctor Who is a black dude who's in the show Sex Education. Have you seen Sex Education? 
by the way. I I watched like the first episode of it, and I don't remember because it was like it's, a while ago. It's over three seasons. This guy is good. I will just say that. It's an intriguing choice. The black guy from Sex Education? Okay. Yeah. He well, plays, he's the new doctor. Yeah, he plays a well, character personally, in Sex Education named Eric. Personally, I would have liked a Doctor Who that was more inclusive. I think a gay midget needs to be next. I'm just saying. I mean, you know, I know that's very happen. woke. But. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. and by the way, we don't say midget, but okay. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's, we we <laughs> say, what is it? Uh, uh, a vertically gay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're so yeah, you're vertically oh, gay. Uh, what's, what's the next uh, vertically gay pride day parade in your neighborhood? That's what we want to know. Okay. So did you have any other fresh shit? Eric? Yeah. yeah totally okay. No, the only it. reason I went into Picard honestly was, okay. So, so, so Alex Kurtzman and Robert Orkey are the two sort of geniuses behind the reboot oh, of the Orky's Star Trek back. Films. Well, here's the thing. I, I was always like, oh, those two guys suck. And then they, they split up over the Star Trek thing. And now it's just Kurtzman yeah. ruining it. I started He's watching awful. this other show that Robert Orkey produces called The Blacklist. And it's quite good. It's surprisingly good. I thought this was something like, you know, my parents would be into because it's a nice, safe procedural, every like CSI. But no. Which one is the conspiracy nut? Is it Kurtzman or Orkey? Uh, I don't know. Orky's the one who one of apparently had his nuts. Orky had his Star Trek script, uh, uh, like like turned down because it was too Star Trek. That to me is a good sign. Uh, I don't know uh, about conspiracy. Okay, but yeah. So okay. so Which blacklist, one is the blacklist is I'm like, that's the one with James Spader as a uh, a Navy signals uh, uh, agent who okay. went missing twenty that's years why, ago. Okay. Started a life of crime and uh, came back with this list of criminals. And he's working with the FBI, like, you do this for me and I'll do this for you. And he's playing everybody. And it's this very sort of, it, 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 it's better than you think, is all I can say. It's like the weekly episodes are very, are like all too simple, but they're, they're just there to serve the larger story, which is a lot more interesting. Kind of like, um, Alias is very alias. If you like alias, you'll probably like this. And okay. James Spader is still fucking phenomenal. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he's just about the whole reason to watch it. I mean, he's just been doing uh, a bunch of TV stuff lately. So it's like, I don't know any of well, his yeah. later work because he was in the, the show with Shatner about the lawyers in Boston or whatever. Yeah, Boston legal. Yeah. Yeah. And then and, this one. So I've not seen it. Yeah. And this one, this is the this is the thing. I mean, I've I've heard of it off and on, and I finally decided to give it a shot. It just got renewed for its eleventh season. It's been what? fucking around. Jesus, yeah, yeah. and it's had a spinoff, and it's okay. got guest stars on this thing like Alan Alda and Diane Diane Weist, and like like actors you would think would be too good for a show like this, and they show up and they give it like this you know huge dollop of class. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So. I, so I recommend it. With 11 seasons, that's a tough one to like just jump into. Yeah. I'm like, like halfway through season two, but I kind of like the idea that, you know, there's a lot going on here. I, I like that I'm going to be with it for a while. And are these you like, you, you know, 13 episode seasons or 20 episodes? Like how, how, how big Ooh. a commitment is this it's, thing? It's, it probably it's a big something commitment. if it's, yeah, it's CBS. It's, so it's, 
Yeah. NBC. Or NBC, whatever it is. But yeah. it's a network, so you know they've Oof. got a bajillion. So. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. The Good one luck. drawback, the one major drawback is the actress, the lead actress is like phenomenally bad. Uh there are a couple of like the 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 every week players i'm not sure the regular cast that are just not good uh and i think it's like over the course of the first season it's like i think they took a couple of classes because they got better but it's just funny to see you know a bunch of quality actors guesting on a show where the regulars just suck Right, but Robert Orkey is <laughs> is is a producer on it. He's not the creator, but he's like got a hand in it. And I don't know. Uh, I'd certainly watch this before I watch another uh, Picard. So you're that's done what I got. With Picard, okay. Yeah. All right. No, Glad I'm I'm to I'm gonna watch Picard again. I'm sure I'm gonna get tricked <laughs> into it, but I'm gonna be angry about it yeah. every time. I love I love it when Eric <laughs> hate watches a program because it's a whole different experience. It's just <laughs> truly a sight to behold. <laughs> I enjoy the hate as much as I enjoy watching something good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Phrases like "Are you fucking kidding me?" roll out of his mouth quite consistently. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's fun. My <laughs> wife, my wife uh, has taken to like like laughing at me and commenting to me in the next room because she'll hear me going fuck you fuck you fuck you fuck you fuck you fuck you <laughs> what are you doing in there why do you hate yeah. it so much yeah yeah i'm nothing just getting some hookers and blow. <laughs> <laughs> all right what's next uh i'll go i don't really have much yeah but uh it's new and i'm hoping you guys have watched it or at least started it, but on Netflix, uh, the new Mike Myers show, The Pentavre, has started. I didn't say I anything have because I knew not you were going to say it. something. Oh I, my God. I saw it and I'm like, <laughs> I don't think I don't think I'm going to enjoy it if I watch it. Oh. So I didn't go there. It's I, so Mike Myers. It, yeah, it is so Mike Myers. Every thirty seconds, a joke. Whether it's a good joke or a bad joke, don't care. Keep joking. I mean, yeah. it's, it's it's definitely it's so kitchen sink. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely kitchen sink. Uh, from highbrow to the lowest of the lowbrow and it's just it if you're not on board with the mike myers shtick then you're not gonna like it one iota he plays like a hundred characters in this thing seamlessly i might add uh like you thought that oscar isaac and moon knight was astonishing playing scenes against himself it's like look at mike myers playing five different characters in one scene (laughs) and they're all distinct it's just astonishing uh but a little background it's the Pentaverit. It's about a secret society uh, who control world events, but they're nice. As Jeremy nice Irons, yeah, <laughs> yeah. As Jeremy Irons at the beginning of every show uh, lets us know. But unlike the Peacemaker that did a really cool opener to lock you in and not make you skip, the Pentaverit actually changes it up every single episode. <laughs> yeah, with, with the with the Irons dialogue, and it's quite funny. It's very winky winky. Uh, <laughs> but the whole show is basically based on like like a 30 second uh bit in so i married an axe murderer from 1993 where mike myers is the dad oh really yeah it's a well-known fact sonny jim that there's a secret society of five wealthiest people in the world known as the pentaphoret i remember that (laughs) oh god uh and so that's basically the jumping off point and so uh there's just all kinds of people involved it's uh he one of the characters is a a very polite, nice, older gentleman from Canada 
who's a reporter who does like man on the street stuff that's going out of style. And he gets roped into infiltrating <laughs> the Pentaveret by a conspiracy nut uh, and then just falls in with everything. And it's just all this crazy ass nonsense uh, that just shouldn't work. But somehow it does. I've laughed every single episode so far. There's against there's Marvel. a the, okay. There in the first episode, the high for me would be uh, in Canada. We're a lot fuzzier, aren't we? Yes, because they shoot yes. the whole thing like in like three quarter inch videotape because yeah. you know Canada is and it's, just it, like low yeah. res, <laughs> and it's so noticeable. But when they cross the border into America, and suddenly goes it goes into high up, def, <laughs> going to high def widescreen. <laughs> And it just and they don't make any joke about it. They just do it uh, after yeah. like ten minutes of going. Canada's fuzzy, don't you think? Isn't it? It's fuzzy. <laughs> and they're like, oh, it's really very clear over here. It's so dumb. And, but the worst, the worst joke was when uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Key, Key Keegan Michael Key. Keegan Michael Key is uh, he's either going yeah, to take I a pill. It. To it. to kill himself or take the key to join the pentaveret, and so ask him. So will it be key or peel? Yeah, and then he looks to the camera off to the side, and goes seriously. Yeah, <laughs> it's like that was my wink. reaction. I was like, that's kind of the worst joke in, I've seen. Uh, in the whole thing. Well, I love it that they like in the pentaveret because they're, it's a secret society. They've got like an actual Bigfoot. Sasquatch who uh, patrols the grounds is like a security dog, but it's modeled off of the bionic man Sasquatch <laughs> from that episode. <laughs> of course. Uh, and it's just, it's a lot of stuff like that. There's a lot of winky winky. Uh, and it's just, it's so out there weird, uh, like scat humor, like absurd humor, highbrow humor. They poke a lot of holes into like the conspiracy QAnon ass nuts. Uh, it's just no holds barred from the mind of Mike Myers. And if you're not on board with that, then don't even bother because you're just sitting so, there going. Yeah, it's it's just Mike Myers cut cut loose. Basically. And do whatever. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and it's so much Yikes. fun. It's so much fun. Because the aesthetic <laughs> is basically. I'm, I'm not sure that you've sold me on it at all. I think I kind of expected exactly what you described yeah. well, the, when you, I hesitated to hit the button. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got you to gotta let it roll over you but the aesthetic is basically just like his austin power stuff it's based on all the stuff he obviously grew up with as a kid so it's like all those 60s and 70s shows so there's a lot of like prisoner vibe going on with the art direction uh and that yeah sort of that thing. stuff's really so good it's, yeah so it's all very retro so it's like what they tried to do with loki uh but it didn't quite gel for me this one nails it entirely because it's just totally mm, from a okay. kid that consumed so much media in the 60s and 70s uh, that it just is exploding out onto his so, screen. So made for Chris. As Eric, apparently. Okay, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's a very particular flavor, but I love it, and uh, I'm glad that they let him do it. They even do a joke, I think it's like episode four, three or four but like a guy in a shrek suit shows up and then they make a joke about shrek i mean it's just this weirdly meta <laughs> that was inevitable nonsense and like jennifer saunders shows up uh in one of the side roles as a very weird croatian character uh and of course she voiced the the mother in shrek 2 i think of prince charming uh, so there's a Have lot they brought back on. the actress who was the axe murderer, and so I married an axe murderer. I no, mean, like how how but, how meta is this getting? But Debbie Debbie Mazar, 
who was the girlfriend of the cop in So I Married an Axe Murderer, has a good role in this as like the the PA for the Pentaveret. So it's yeah, it's it's a lot of just folds upon folds upon folds. So uh, <laughs> if you like So I Married an Axe Murderer, this one is totally up your street. So the Pentaveret. I think that uh, that Tommy Maitland character he played in the Gong Show was a makeup test for this. Yes, it totally was. Mm. It totally was. So it's good time. So yeah, yeah. the Pentaveret right. on Netflix as for Bunny. So so you've actually given me a segue. Yeah. Uh, if we want to talk about anachronistic things styled after things from the '60s, for example. All right, so. I have a double feature of things I've not seen before that both of you have seen. Yeah. Um, that are anachronistic, that are somewhat musicals starring Ewan McGregor. First of which, yeah. Down with Love. Never seen it. Watched yeah, it this, this Eric's last period. Favorite goddamn movie ever, and that kills me. Certainly favorite rom com. Yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, it's a. What a great little farce. I mean, it's it's very much a movie from, you know, it's not from the 60s, but yes, it is, right? Well, yeah, yeah, it's it's a total uh, Rock Hudson, Tony Randall, Doris Day. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's all it is. Though yeah, I could have seen out. Sean Connery playing uh, the catcher block. Catcher block? Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Sure. Yeah, so Reese Witherspoon is um, this... This uh, woman who writes this book, Down with Love, that this this feminist uh, icon, and and Ewan McGregor is is catcher block, and he's trying to expose her for the traditional gal she really is, and no, it's, uh, shenanigans ensue. It's, I understand your confusion, but it's Renee Zellweger, not yeah. Oh, did I say? Re- I'm sorry. You're right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Renee Zellweger. I had the R and yeah, yeah. and I went the wrong way. No, you're fine. Um, they're all interchangeable but, from that time. But. <laughs> but yeah what a fun little movie you know it's it's contrived it's silly it's 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 full of yeah awkward scenarios yeah. And, and 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 it's ridiculous from, twists it, and turns from Peyton it's a movie Reed, that's the, the director of yeah, ant-man oh oh yeah that's right but yeah. it sets its own rules that's the thing it, it's like yeah. yeah it's a farce yeah it's weird but it doesn't stray from that so it's all good yeah. I, I love the two minute monologue that Renee Zellweger has. Oh where my she god! Explains yeah, one the take whole, the whole fucking movie. Yeah, in one take. Yeah, yeah, it's just. Oh my god, that was brilliant. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and she just keeps going and going, and it's abs- absurd as it could possibly be. Yeah, no, it's it's good times. Definitely where, check it out. Where are you watching? Uh, Where'd you watch it? Gem. Where'd you find it? Um, I think it's on HBO. Okay, I might have to revisit. I right I honestly haven't seen it in like uh, fifteen or so years. So. I might have to go yeah. back and look at it again. Yeah, no, that was that was uh that was that was a pleasant surprise for us. He's so a ladies' we, man, we, we the man's man, the man about town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then the other, which somehow I had never seen, and you'd think I'd like it, but huh. I finally saw Moulin Rouge. Oh, that's a big turd. I hate that movie. Wow, is this movie trying too hard? Right. Really? Uh, Moulin Rouge is somehow a movie in which Nicole Kidman is faking orgasms in lingerie, and it's not hot. <laughs> well, that's because like, you've got the how? you've got somebody doing a cover of a Bowie song uh, with orchestration. It's just it's and, weird. It's off putting. And it 
and that's really it, right? It's a it's a jukebox musical that decontextualizes modern songs and puts them into mashups, and it's really, really hard to meet on its own terms. Like, yeah. they, they do this, you know, they've got Smells Like Teen Spirit mashed up with something else, with something else, and again, my brain does this crap, right? Like, I, I can hear the songs <laughs> going into one another, and but when it's done in this movie, I'm like, no, and, and, and it really hurts because there are songs, I think there are songs that are unique to this to this movie, and when that's happening, it works, right? Like in the second half, when they're going for the drama, it it's working, but boy, do they just like yoink you hard out of it, right? Like when, when you've got Jim Broadbent singing Like a Virgin and trying to recontextualize that song, well, you get like uh, a, you get all this stuff like because he can uh, can can because he can can can, and then it's all like the flash cuts that what's his face likes to do so much. Yeah, so uh, Boz Luhrmann is off his Adderall and is just like spazzing out, right? Like, whoo, yeah. boy, Boz Luhrmann. Um, they they. I, he had a vision. Yeah. It's insane. <laughs> well, that was also brought about like the big video was the the voulez-vous coucher avec moi with uh with all of the yeah. the lady pop stars of 2001. Yeah, and, and yeah, Lady Marmalade and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just And it, Well, that was a weird year, I, 2001, cuz that was also the same year that uh first or uh, a Knight's Tale had come out with Heath Ledger and it's like a medieval uh, movie but they use modern music like rock songs and stuff to do the scene yeah. and it's just it's very off-putting i just don't understand it and i don't ever enjoy it because it's just no and it's uh, the funny thing also is that because i mean 2001 was also a year of you know like extreme uh real estate ventures in new york changing and so like there were no innocent <laughs> films that could survive Right. This is like this is for a time when things weren't as bad as they are now, you know. Yeah. Yes. Well, yes. Well, and th- I mean, this again is the gaudiness of the two thousands. Boy, is this a gaudy film. Yeah. Um. I. I mean, it should be for me. I like mashups. I like crazy visuals. I like musicals. I like fun. This movie is aimed at me, and it misses. I mean, the only enjoyable thing in this whole movie for me is watching John Leguizamo play Toulouse Lautrec, because they've obviously got uh, him like John walking Le- around. John Leguizamo on his, yeah. playing a dwarf. Yeah, they've got him yeah, like, walking no. around on his knees. It's almost like he's a uh, he's like Hen- uh, Peter Sellers in a in a Pink Panther movie in disguise. I mean, it's just so strange. I mean, it, I just yeah. oh this yeah this movie is off its meds, man. It really wow. Um, but, but that's just I I should have been team. on drugs to watch it because like I was sober and that was a mistake. Well, I I'll, <laughs> I remember I went and saw this in the theater when it came out, uh, and the only real thing I remember was standing in line to buy tickets uh, with, with my friend Dave, who's a he's a very tall man. He's like six foot four, and as we're getting close to the thing, I'm like, I dare you to go up there and order a ticket for Malin Rouge. Like you don't know what the fuck you're doing, <laughs> and he did. He went up and just and the and the ticket taker was like, "You fucking idiot!" Uh, ticket does not yeah, give a shit. Yeah. Come on, they side item. Well, but. anyway, um, 
So, yeah, Down With Love is great. Go watch that. <laughs> uh, but is, it, is that one a full-on musical, though? I can't remember now. No, no, there's only a musical number during the credits. But it's a pretty good one. Okay. Um, so that counts. Uh, anyway, I think that's the fresh shit this week. Yeah. Fresh goes better. All right, so what's this topic this week? Uh, what are we doing? Welcome to the show, eh? Uh, this was the pitch. I wanted you all to bring what you thought was the most 90s movie ever to the program, and we could discuss. It's a totally arbitrary scale. Uh, by no means are we saying this is definitive, but this is to each of us what we think defines the 90s in movie form. Uh, the criteria okay. is totally loose, but really I just wanted you to to bring something that was evocative of the decade. Uh, like you could go, that is, that's totally 90s right there. Like I, I workshopped this to some friends just to see what suggestions they would roll in. And one, and one, of, one of my buddies is like, he just started throwing every single big box office hit from the 90s at me. He's like, well, Titanic. I'm like, is that really a 90s movie though? No, he's no, like, he's like, no, Independence. that's more of a 2000s movie. Yeah, he's like Independence Day. Uh, speed, uh, point break. I'm like, dude, you're just, are you just throwing titles at me because they were made in the 90s? So that's sort of what I wanted to divorce you from. Uh, so really just, I want you to be prepared to explain why your pick represents the 90s. That's pretty much the Okay. So. Okay, I think we can do it. Um, yeah, totally. So, so uh, just a couple of sidebars that I thought could work, but don't really, they kind of fall short for me. But Clueless got bandied about quite a bit. Uh, I don't think either of you chose Clueless. Um, no, no. But in rewatching it recently, it's got a lot of stuff that screams '90s. Uh, so that's going to get an honorable mention from me. Uh, also, Reality Bites, which is basically the Gen X movie until somebody else comes up with another I, one. You know, Everett, no, even at the time, they were like, this is the voice of your generation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it kind of fucking yeah. is not. Yeah. And it that's just, what, just, it's <laughs> like, it's like the perfect, not the voice of our generation. It's, yeah. you know, it's exactly it's, everything yes. that was being it's, rebelled yeah. against. So it's, it's just funny, but there's nothing quite like watching, uh, Ethan Hawke singing in front of his band. Hey, that's my bike. Uh, doing the ca- the yeah song. ruining the violent femmes no <laughs> so, no uh so there's that and then uh the matrix almost but that again is just that's sort of on nope. the cusp of two that's, that's a, a 2000s, 2000s movie. movie right so, yeah I, I know it's 99 but it, it heralds the next century yeah so yeah it, it's a tougher thing to come up with than i think you realize at first oh. glance and so uh i was interested to hear what you come up with. so uh, without right. further ado. Can I give you the criteria that I that I had for what makes it a 90s movie? Oh, yeah. Shoot. Because it's uh, totally open form. Uh, okay. Okay. So here were the things that I was, I was shooting for, right? Um, first of all, in general, you, there's a look that's sort of this like too dark, but with splashes of, of light. Think, think influenced by the Max Headroom show right, or, right. or by the Highlander, right? But then like, we also need to have a lot of day glow and like crazy camera work and mm-hmm. hyper edits because right. very MTV influenced, yes. right? Yeah. After MTV you're, stopped doing uh, music and got into reality TV. Yeah. Your your trailer really should have that big blocky font in red that <laughs> 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 every one of them had. And, and extra bonus points if there's a Tarantino influence. Okay. That's what makes a 90s movie to me. 
Really? So <laughs> yeah. you're, you're like, yeah. like post what Tarantino? Because Reservoir Dogs is sort of the hidden uh, influencer. Yeah, Pulp, fiction Pulp Fiction really was the was the thing, right? So, so one of my runners up is True Romance for because it yeah. it hits a lot of these beats, but I, but it's not the most '90s movie. No, it isn't. It it um, it's a hard one to rewatch too. If I'm being honest. Oh, it's okay. But but those were the criteria I was working with. Um, curious if you had different ones to 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 find a '90s movie. Uh, well, I didn't. Go I guess for I any came sort of hmm. Tarantino. Yeah, sorry. No, go for it. Go. No, I said go ahead, Eric. I was just saying I didn't pick any Tarantino at all. That's just my mindset. So, go. Oh, uh, yeah. I was more like, um, I guess I, I, I. How can I put this? The thing you said about Tarantino, I understand, but I was basically uh, anything that is against what the the whole indie movement hated. Right. Does that make sense? It's like oh, okay. It's like the the whole indie stuff was sort of a meta response to how shitty film and culture was, and it was basically saying no, no more. We're taking this back. Right. And so I wanted to pick something that was exactly what they were all sort of protesting. <laughs> so sense. the so basically <laughs> the uh, the living embodiment of everything that uh, indie film hated. Yeah. Okay, so okay. so the big like the 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 corporate thing, right? Like yes. trying to be cool. Okay, okay. okay. Try, got it, got it, got it. Chris, what about you? What what, what other criteria were you gonna? Bring? Uh, well, to me, it's uh, you you nailed some of them. It has to have uh, like things that were very specifically '90s, uh, but not ironically. Uh, so <laughs> so like uh, if yep, there's a movie yep. that's heavy on the uh electronica edm type music or like the the college rock alternative type stuff uh sure in the soundtrack but really just in your face it's not like just oh it's in the background but it's literally like here's a montage here's this song you may or may not know but if you're cool you do i mean that's the vibe uh yeah, yeah and there's still there's still movie theme songs promoting these things right by the way like, yeah 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 uh, okay. So there's that, and then there's just elements of like '90s culture, like either, uh, like movies that don't quite uh, get that there is a broadband internet wide world uh, of Google on the horizon, and so we're still locked into tech that is just really not very mm-hmm. techy, mm-hmm. but they think it in is. In the future, everyone will have CRTs. Yes. Yeah. 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 So like uh, like Johnny Mnemonic, <laughs> we did our show about that, uh, or Lawnmower Man. But then also movies like The Net mm. with Sandra Bullock, which is just so ludicrous to watch now because it's just like it's <laughs> that's literally like it was it was old the year that it came out. It was dated as soon as it got released. So that kind I, of stuff. I remember Swordfish when yes. uh, they, they show Hugh Jackman, the computer he's going to be working on. Wow, look at this setup. And all it is is like nine monitors. That's like the big deal. It's like got a whole bunch <laughs> yeah. of monitors. Yeah. Does this, like have a, does this have a 486 quad? You know, like yeah. all this shit that, like, <laughs> the guy had to ask his son what all this meant. You know? Yeah. What's another computery thing? Oh, I don't know. Say T1 line. And it's got a dedicated T1 line. <laughs> yeah. Shut up. So it's, so it's basically them just being uh, current, but totally not. Uh, that's always fun. And then if there's very specific product placements for things that no longer exist like Jolt Cola or whatever. <laughs> that is, uh, to me, the epitome of like a, a 90s movie. Like, uh, 
I think it was Goldeneye was the one where suddenly James Bond had just a shit ton of obvious product placements. So like Heineken, uh, BMW, that kind of shit. It was just highly global corporate bullshit stuff infiltrated its way into the Bond movies in the 90s. And so uh goldeneye to pay for the stuff somehow yeah yeah and so goldeneye is a very uh very specific 90s i mean that to me that's the epitome of 90s bond is that movie yeah all those 90s bonds were like in that weird like future tech yeah gobbledygook universe exactly exactly so that those those would be a good runner-up example uh of the vibe so yeah, yeah. Tomorrow never dies. I think is actually the prime example of of that nonsense. <laughs> is that the one but... where he's uh, like he's using his Nokia phone to remote control his BMW uh, in a garage? Yeah, and chase. crash oh, it yeah. into a Hertz rent a car. <laughs> yes, or Avis or one of those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, product placements anyway. uh, were a big deal in the nineties. It's like I dare you to watch one a movie without something obvious uh, in it, and. Uh, <laughs> Because it's just jarring. It's like, oh, shit. Because they don't really... I mean, they do it nowadays, but it's not quite so ridiculous like Wayne's World. Advil. Little. Yellow. Pill. I mean, it's that kind of... So, uh, <laughs> there you have it. So... Okay. Uh, so, those are some of the examples of things that almost make the mark. I appreciate you fellas coming up with uh, some homework on that. So, I'm really intrigued to let people know what you think is the uh, perfect example. Then. So... Uh, who wants to go first? I'll 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 do it. Okay, <laughs> Brian's gonna and I'll run through my runners up on my way there because because like I said, I laid out my criteria. Right. You know, if I'm thinking crazy camera work and hyper edits, I mean it's hard to do much more annoying than Tank Girl, but that's not it, Mm-mm. right? Like, um, so that wasn't it. If I'm thinking about the the weird dark lighting and the and the day glow on top of that, like, boy. Um, Super Mario Brothers movie with John Leguizamo and uh, <laughs> and Bob Hoskins is well, is like right up yeah, there, well, and that's like the, you said right. the, that's the Max Headroom vibe because it's the same people that made Max Headroom uh, got their shot. Is it? And then fucking blew oh okay, it. Yeah, they wow. Blew it. But yeah, that was what. <laughs> but it's also um, the big corporate thing that we rebel against, and then the rebellion. Those are the two kinds of pieces of film yeah. culture we have. Well, it yeah, which reminds me, you were talking about the the dark uh, with the soundtrack. So the crow would definitely be a runner up here as well. So I think that was an eighties movie though. So I I didn't know crow. No, 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 ninety five, ninety six, like ninety four. No, ninety three. Yeah, yeah, it was it was early ninety. Yeah, crow crow is right in there, right? So, but then if I want the big red font. Boy, I was I was real close to picking Demolition Man as my ultimate '90s movie. <laughs> That's a good one because there we've got the all of those things: the futurism, the spazziness, yeah. the the darkness, and the red font. Demolition Man and the theme song featuring Sting, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, you can't. Know. Boy, I mean, that's. I mean, yeah. I might still say Demolition Man, but if I take all of that and add the product placement and just take it to the absolute shit fuck level that we, the 90s were going, I, I really can't not give this to Batman and Robin. Okay. Which is just the 90s, like, 
they hit the accelerator, they held that accelerator to the floor, and they just crashed right into themselves and ruined <laughs> Batman. This was the uh, the Joel Schumacher just, like nipples on the bat suit, this, right? The second one, the Batman and Robin okay. with with the one that made Uma Thurman not sexy as Poison <laughs> Ivy, right. the one that just just. Every it is unwatchable. This movie I have there, tried. Yeah. You, you can't even hate watch it. It's just this the is worst. yeah. This is this is the one that has like uh, seven hundred people in the cast. There's like hundred villains, uh, all just sort of thrown together. There's like Batgirl, Robin, uh, yeah, and the day. I think it, it's also the first thing. superhero film yeah. that commits the sin of all the villains all at once and right. they never learn the lesson that when you do that it doesn't goddamn work they did it in right. spider-man well, 3 they did it in uh, what else i don't want to think no about it. so so <laughs> this is the, 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 in a previous episode we were talking about the batman right and we were like there's just no fun in this we want something cheekier but you know what Batman and Robin is your... This is why we're not getting fun Batman movies, right? Because that was totally made for the marketing. That was totally made to generate toys on toy shelves. It was like, we're cashing in hardcore, and it sucks. Yeah. The problem is it that it's so not that hard. we want cheek. It's not that we want dark. It's not that we want... We want joy. And the thing is, you can do any of that stuff as long as, you know, the end... The end point is joy, something right. that you can enjoy. And it's like, I don't need a darker, grittier Batman. I don't need the 60s Adam West Batman. I just want someone to care and make something yeah. enjoyable. That's well, it. This would, that's, yeah. that's all you got to do. Well, I think that's the biggest sin of the Schumacher Batmans that ruined the franchise for like almost 10 years. Is that it? They, yeah, that he didn't fucking tried, care. It was all about yeah. selling toys. Yeah, they tried to have their cake and eat it too. They wanted to sort of hue to the, the Tim Burton aesthetic, but they also peppered in versions of the 60s campy TV show that just right. fell so flat. And so they just tried to do everything all at once, and it just doesn't work. Oh, it's terrible. Plus, you get Arnold doing yeah. doing just some of his worst uh, snazzy one-liners. Every line, every one yeah. of his lines is an ice pun. Yeah. It's, I mean, and and why didn't they get Patrick Stewart to play a good version of Mister Freeze? <laughs> they like, they could have done that. A good film. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick, they clearly weren't. Yeah, Patrick it, Stewart was so saving, bad. saving it up all for Picard. Basically, I think is what was going on. Yay! But yeah, it's like yeah, no, Batman and Robin is yeah. Allow me to break the ice. My name is Freeze. Learn it well for us the chilling sound of your doom. <laughs> it's just Jesus like, come Christ, on, yeah. man. Come on. But yeah, you can't go wrong with nipples on the bat suit. I'd love to see that it's pitch like, meeting, you know? Tim Burton didn't like comic books, uh, but so he basically just made a Tim Burton film that was Batman. Yeah. And the, both of those movies made a, a fuck ton of money. And so Joel Schumacher came in, and you can tell he didn't like Batman. He liked, you know, maybe the 60s Batman and gay porn. And so he was like, okay, I'm going to kind of do that. Yeah. And I just, it would be really nice if you would all go see it because it's also got that Tim Burton thing making money. Except it didn't do that. It didn't make money. So <laughs> did, you know? uh, did Batman I mean, and Robin even have a, a song? I can't remember now. Cause the, oh, yeah, yeah. No, oh, it had God. the Smashing Pumpkins. The end is the beginning is the end. I don't remember um, that at all. At, which oh, was... God. 
so the the previous one, uh, Batman Forever, was had the U two song, yeah. Hold, me, thrill, Hold me. me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, whatever. And, hey, and so, so much this, I'm gonna tag you, so much you is, can say. Yeah, the Steel song. Yeah. That was also yes. in the previous one. No, the, and then this one was the Smashing Pumpkins. Again, it's got that kind of like you know, crystal method, big beat kind of yeah. you know, filter kind of sound going. It's very late nineties. I love that shit actually, but but not here. But yeah, everything about this movie just just sucks. Yeah, like yeah. just it just sucks. I, I Clooney got a lot of mileage out of how he killed Batman for a good number of years. <laughs> so. If to to his credit though, he didn't fucking want the job. They kind of made him do it. He was like, like yeah. Uh, there were like a lot of projects he wanted to do and they were like okay but you got to do this thing he's like yeah Fuck. Well, yeah, i mean it is what it is just look at a still from batman and robin and they've got like these huge cod pieces <laughs> like well, yeah ridiculous it's, cod pieces it's, it's the ambiguously gay it's duo is essentially the vibe not ambiguous at all <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so and okay. jerry connell going well i'm never gonna work again anyway because i suck yeah. <laughs> Hoo-ha! Yeah. So, so yeah, that ultimately, that's that's my, it didn't have the big red font, but that's my I mean, quintessential, as, yeah. this is what's wrong with the 90s I would movie. I would rank that up there as one of the, the giant blockbuster movies that just didn't go anywhere. So, yeah, that's very, very 90s of you to pull that one out of the hat. So, I, <laughs> I applaud you on that choice. That's a very good one. Uh, so, where do you guys go? Uh, I want to hear Eric's next because I want to hear him explain himself on this one. Okay, I uh, went with the last action hero for Another a number of reasons. Another yeah. Schwarzenegger, but but my thinking was this. Um, so, as I said, the '90s was a lot of uh, revolt against you know the things that 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 are too corporate. This was a too corporate revolt against things that were too corporate. It, it was it was the beginning of sort of <laughs> meta comedy, right? We're gonna we're gonna talk about the things we don't like, but we're going to do it in the the the, the form that we we don't like for some reason. It, this is a really weird film because the the guys who made it they'd never written a film before, and they wanted to make money. And so they said, well, how do we make money? Well, Arnold Schwarzenegger is in movies that make money. We should write Arnold Schwarzenegger into our movie. Dude, you're reading my mind. And so they wrote him into the goddamn movie. And that you would think it would end there. But these guys also had a criminal genius to them. And they were like, they, they started calling around asking like various studios. So have you... Uh, uh, optioned this last action hero? There's a bidding war going on in town. And you know, of course, these studios, they are not in control of anything. And they were like, there is? There are? What? Somebody give me a copy of this last action here. They create a bidding war. They make it something that Arnold Schwarzenegger feels he has to do because it's such a big deal. That's how it got made. That's how John McTiernan got brought on. 
it was a complete fucking lie that worked. Nice. That to me is the '90s. <laughs> a lot of lying. Uh, uh, it was. Wasn't it? Uh, it was uh, Zach Penn was one of the writers uh, who ended up doing the Incredible Hulk, Hulk, and like X Men Two. Uh, yeah and stuff like that so he's like been a big like superhero dude the last like 10 or 15 years so right that's intriguing it, it, and yeah but but it, you're right it walks that line it manages to lampoon all the schwarzenegger action films while also being a decent example of one yeah <laughs> i mean it's, it's it also uh, has the thing in the 90s of being uh for cinephiles the kid loves movies and that's right. a big deal because it, the move right. the nineties were sort of the last decade where p- movies mattered. They don't anymore. You know, it's all I, not to sound like an old fart, but I am, so it comes out sounding that way. Yeah, everything is, you know, um, streaming and online mm-hmm. shows that you binge on. This is the last time that people were into ninety to four out ninety minutes to four hours of film that you could just enjoy and. Well, I so mean, the kid loves movies. The whole thing sort of breaks on this kid's love of movies. Yeah. His love of shit movies, but his love of movies. Well, where it's it's a weird thesis for me to swallow. And not to say that you're wrong, but for me it's because it's almost like it's this weird love letter to 80s action cinema that's presented mm-hmm. in the 90s with the 90s aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And so right. it's a weird and that's, vibe. and that's what I mean about rebelling against the things we don't like because we had those 80s movies jammed down our fucking throats <laughs> and then true. you've got like <laughs> Demolition Man doing the same thing we can't we can't seriously make a Sylvester Stallone movie so we've got to we've got to joke it we're going to yeah. we're going to you know basically make a comedy about uh, a Sylvester Stallone movie well you know? that's that's he an intriguing a joke version of himself that yeah. is like brought forward in time you know well, I mean, that's that's an interesting tangent because both of Demolition Man and Last Action Hero were produced by Joel Silver. And so yeah. you get him, who's like the uber producer of the 80s action movies. Then you get the director of Die Hard, John McTiernan on board. Yeah. And suddenly this is like the most meta movie that has ever existed. <laughs> Almost. Right. I mean, it's just very strange. This uh, is also after the sort of, if you will, um, the, 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 the Quentin Tarantino revolution, you know, I don't, I don't care so much for that kind of, you know, terminology for this kind of nonsense, but it, it was a revolution, you know, it was a change. And all right. these guys, Joel Silver, John McTiernan, they knew what time it was. They knew their shit was, was over. So they needed to find a different way to do what they do. Uh, John McTiernan went on to make the 13th warrior, which is the most underrated, awesome film of the nineties. But definitely underrated and then yeah, he got Joel all that silver uh, he, yeah. he didn't know what the fuck to do <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's an interesting uh choice and i remember i saw it in the theater because why not uh and then when it came out on uh, pay-per-view when i at the time had a cracked cable box so we got all of the free pay-per-view on like 24 7 repeat and i think we, <laughs> we watched last action hero just like literally like three or four times a day in my house uh oh it's on again let's watch it and so it was just it kind of became this weird running joke uh because there's a lot of stuff in it that that falls flat but there's also plenty of stuff that's just pretty ahead of its time hilarious yeah i loved its commentary on culture and nobody ever gives it credit for that but 
I'm sorry, there was there's a whole string of shit films where you know it's the bad guy because it's the guy who killed Mozart. You know, right. that's not that's not nothing. He has the line. It's the guy who killed Mozart. Anytime he shows up in a movie, you know he's yeah, the bad cause, guy. Because it's F. Murray Abraham as Solier. Yeah. yeah. It's good stuff. And Charles Dance is uh is pitch perfect as the villain in this because he wears yeah. like the He's got different glass eyes with different graphics on them, like half yeah, or snake the weapon art. eyeballs. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and he's just—he's got that Charles Dance menace about him that's so smooth and so slick, but also so yeah. just evil. He's a guy I just, wanted just to take off more than he did. Yeah. yeah, does Charles Dance in this movie look a lot like the self-portrait of Van Gogh? Or is it just me? Uh, you know who he I thought he looked me. like. I thought he looked like Mr. Mike from Saturday Night Live. A little bit. You remember because of the beard. It's because <laughs> of the beard. I, I honestly think that they were trying to pull a Hans Gruber sort of vibe, uh, and that's why he looks like that. And that's sort of the winky, winky, yeah. meta-textual stuff that they've got rolling in this thing. So, yeah, I think it's it's a it's a decent choice. Uh, it's it straddles the line for me just because of the '80s love, but I don't think they yeah. could have made this in the '80s at all. And so I do believe, though, that a lot of the 90s was a reaction to the culture we came out of and saying, I I don't care for this. This doesn't work. And this was a bit more of a love letter to that, granted. But it was also pointing out why a lot of these things don't work. Yeah, Um, which is which is probably why it failed at the box office. So so I actually have a different view of the 90s than that. I so generally speaking whenever we come up with a new technology like the automobile, right? It's awesome until we overdo it and then it then like it shows its dark side and like all the things that that were prop, you know, bad about that. The 90s to me is like all of the things that were awesome about the 80s, now we're getting into oh wait, now here's the downside. Yeah. <laughs> That's the 90s. Yeah. Well, I mean, what are you going to do? But it's uh, I think it might have been ahead of its time. I think this would have worked much better later in the decade uh, when we could have had stuff like speed under our belt uh, and, and things like that to kind of I think, pave the way. I think it would have done. I think it would have done better if it had had more hate, honestly. Right. You know, it's like or, if yeah. like the what's the the film that came out like a couple of years ago with. The hit, uh, the the mockumentary about hitmen and Arnold Schwarzenegger plays oh, like kill, the other killing, killing Gunter, killing Gunter. Yeah, yeah, that kind of sort of anger and and just piss that yeah. would have made this better. Instead, yeah. like I said, it's a love letter mm. and it's trying to make the kind of money that it accuses these kinds of movies right. of only right. being interested in. Well, it's also of a piece of that early '90s vibe too, because this. Uh, this definitely rolls into the aesthetic of movies like The Hard Way with Michael J. Fox and James Woods, uh, the cops mm-hmm. on the trail, the serial killer, but it's also a buddy comedy that they're mismatched. I mean, it's just like it's so high concept that it hurts, uh, but somehow yeah. they reel it in. That's it's just that it's was a weird, weird thing. That was another movie that like was trying to comment on the asininity of film because he's an actor doing a ride along with a cop. Yeah. And his like he I, I don't know it's like his he has he his his big credit is something like loaded weapon based on an original idea from you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> so but that that's the beauty of last action heroes it's criticism proof anytime you want to bra- rag on it it can be like obviously we're not taking this seriously right, right? yeah so they 
they get, have it both ways. Well, the, anyway. the only thing that kills me about Last Action Hero is that when they shopped it around, it was actually set up to be just like the movies it was lampooning. So it was going to be like a, a hard R-rated with the profanity and the violence and stuff. But then they brought the kid in, and then things started to get watered down. And that's my right. only real critique of it, is that it suddenly becomes a PG-13 movie that's trying to lampoon the R-rated movies. But I guess it makes a certain sense from the perspective of the kid in the I film. So, I don't know. I can't remember the name of the guy, the screenwriter who was in Predator, who everybody loves now. Shane Black. Shane Black. Shane Black. Shane Black was brought on to do rewrites on that, and that's where the kid comes from. Yeah. And you okay. can see that in Iron Man 3, where the kid comes in. True. You know, it's True. like there's this okay. weird need for a child to show up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, last action hero. I think that's that's a solid one because it does hit. It's also in that weird like early, right. early 90s area. It's kind of like Jurassic Park yeah. and all that shit, so it's it, yeah. Okay. It, it and finally it's, you know, honestly as a sign off, it is a perfect encapsulation of the 90s, which means if you watch it, you're probably not going to like it. You know? <laughs> it's, it's true. <laughs> it's definitely not for millennials uh by yeah. any stretch. Okay. Yeah, I don't think it. I don't think it plays if you haven't been steeped in the '80s action movies, right, huh? Right. Like, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Definitely. I I was in the '90s and I didn't care for it. So, yeah. like, you know, no arguments. Yeah. You okay. know, I I'm so, with you. So, so Chris, what was your pick? Uh, Where are we going? Uh, this one. Uh, this is arguably uh, going to be controversial, but uh, I I chose something from the very middle point of the decade. 95 so it's that hinge year uh and i'm gonna say hackers the movie with uh johnny lee miller who would go on to be sick boy and train spotting etc it's an early <laughs> role for angelina jolie mm-hmm. matthew lillard uh etc taking and off all of her clothes matthew lillard yeah. she gets oh way God. naked now- yeah and it's and it's <laughs> wait a minute based- you were talking about something other than angelo G- angelina jolie naked She's barely naked in it. It's a PG-13 movie. Come She's on. naked enough. Uh, but it's, to me, this is epitomizes the entire decade in one 90-minute ridiculous bonbon. Because it's, I mean, the presence of Matthew Lillard certainly yeah. adds to the 90s-ness of this. So, yes. so basically, it's uh, about a kid who in 1988 uh, did some hacking when he was a child and uh, basically crashed like something like 1,700 computers from bankers and such. And so as part of his uh, trial, this is all like the first five minute preface. He gets sentenced to probation where he can't use a computer until he's 18 years old. Uh, his parents get fined like 45 grand, etc. So then you jump ahead eight years to 1995. His parents are split up. He's with his mom. They're moving to New York. He's starting over his senior year of high school. He's about to get through into that 18th year uh, and he's still hacking and gets involved with these kids in his high school that are also hackers. And then they stumble onto a whole plot with another hacker played by Fisher Stevens, who's basically stealing money from the company he's supposedly there to protect uh, with the software and such. So it's this like giant, just ridiculous, uh, overinflated plot. But the reason it's the most 90s to me is because A, uh, the soundtrack, it's Prodigy. It's left field. Uh, I think Urban Dance Squad shows up to do the live uh, band routine in the uh, the third act when they're in a club. 
Uh, you've got all the... F- I'm not hating this. Yeah, they've got all of the <laughs> fashions of the night. Like, Johnny Lee Miller wears a lot of, like, biker gear, like, the leather jackets and stuff. Angelina Jolie, like, has this uh, cropped, almost, like, pixie-ish haircut, like, really short, and she wears a lot of, like, eye makeup to accentuate. It's, like, almost very anime, uh, and she's very sassy uh, in this. And she plays a hacker who goes by the handle Acid Burn. Johnny Lee Miller goes by... Uh, crash override uh and they kind of have the love love connection but it's the love hate thing where there's the competition and then all the kids rollerblade around new york so if you don't have rollerblading <laughs> Roller is it really a 90s movie? <laughs> uh so they're rollerblading to the prodigy as they're skimming through the streets uh they're drinking jolt cola left and right uh and then they have all this quote-unquote awesome tech uh, that they're working off of, but they have to do it with dial-up modems. So they're like finding payphones on the street and hooking all the shit up so that they can do the hack at the bank or whatever to get the the disc, uh, and just going on and on. So it's like it's the the pre-internet version of uh, the internet when things were still kind of innocent and the bubble hadn't quite burst yet. It was on the cusp. And everybody was just lovingly thinking about how awesome having all of this tech was going to be. <laughs> but it's like they're like 156K modems would dial up talking about all of yeah. the graphics are so cool. But it's like that shit didn't even look good on a Nokia phone in 2004. That's ridiculous. Yeah, the, the funny thing is, though, for like years before there were hackers, there were freakers. And those were people who would break into shit just using a phone and uh, tones. You know, right. it, it, I mean, that's like hardcore shit. Yeah. They could have made a really cool film about that years early. Actually, uh, Robert Redford in, I don't remember what, Six Days at the Condor, something like that. He does yeah. that. He he breaks yeah. into like an AT&T hub and does that shit. And I'm like, see, the, the, the knowledge existed. It's just they yeah. didn't want to do the research. That's well, yeah. the thing about those online films of the 90s is they only knew it was something that was going to be a big deal, but they didn't want to learn it. Yeah. Well, these are kids like calling each other elite hackers because they can get into shit. And like, like they enlist these other two guys who have like a, a public access TV show called where they do the quote, hack the planet. And they actually have a segment where they talk about when you, when you call up something on a payphone, get a, like a mini cassette recorder. And then when you plug in the quarters, just record the tones. And then later you just use that to get a free call. I mean, it's just shit like that. That mm. is so of its time. It's like that wouldn't even fathom. Uh, to happen across any reality right now. I mean, it's just like the technology is so shifted. So this one, if you go back to 95, it's just a very isolated and amber kind of moment that will never exist again. And it's just, every time I see it, I'm like, this is just, this is literally the most 90s movie I've ever seen. And then the prodigy will start in with like, uh, I think it's voodoo people. And it's just like they do the vibe with the drums and shit. And it's just like they're rollerblading to Prodigy while they're doing hacks with modems on payphones. I mean, that, <laughs> if that doesn't scream 90s to you, I don't know what. That's all yeah, I'm no, yeah. that's that's it's not pretty just, good. Yeah, it's not just the beginning of digital. It's the end of analog. Right. And, and it's like that's the one thing they do know. Yeah. <laughs> And also the only moment in time when rollerblading was considered cool. So there you go. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was good times. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, whatever. But it will. But it also introduced us to uh, Angelina Jolie, who a couple years later would be in uh, 
a bunch of blockbusters and lots going, of things. Yeah. And yeah. Johnny Lee Miller would would be cemented in eternity as Sick Boy from Train Spotting, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, and I think they they met on this film and married afterwards, and then had a brief run. And then, of course, uh, Matthew Lillard, who would go on to like Scream and SLC Punk and Scooby Doo, and he's very definitive of this era as well as like the go-to goofy buddy guy so it's just it literally has everything and then oh it's also got lorraine brocco in a in a totally pointless role and oh, every time i see God, her on I screen lorraine yeah, brocco all i think of is <laughs> what you're going to destroy the cure for cancer it's just yeah. so stupid so it's literally got everything about the 90s in my cobbled up brain and uh there's there's no way to escape it for me. So, that, all right, that's that's my choice. Take it or leave it. Do you agree? Do you disagree? I think all, I, you make a compelling argument. I think all three win. You, all three win. There you go. It's a tie. <laughs> it's a tie. <laughs> so, so hey, if 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 you disagree or if you think we missed one, you should hit us up. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. We're at MagHuge. Uh, you can email us magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram as the Magnificently Huge Podcast. You don't need to remember any of that. Just go to our website, maghuge.com, M-A-G-H-U-G-E.com. You can find links to all that. And as always, subscribe to the podcast, rate it on iTunes, share it with all your friends on social media, and yeah, we'll uh, we'll catch you next week. Yeah. Hack the planet. <laughs> hack the planet. Do the hack. Do, do the yeah. hack. Yeah. <laughs> uh,